Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Revelation 2, verse 7. This is our last week in Ephesus. It's our, our third week, but it's the last week. We looked at the grade they got two weeks ago on appropriate tolerance. We saw that they got an A+. We looked last week at the grade they got on love, and they got an F-. Well, this week we start with a reward, or we, we, we end up with a reward. And every church, every letter to every church, I should say, has this reward at the end. Jesus makes it clear uh, what the, the, the goal is, what the, the reward for obedience is. And he ends the, every letter the same way. There we go. In this passage, in this verse, verse 7, the reward is a tree of life. Now, they, they end, though, the phrasing is almost the same. Each, each one, sometimes the, it's, it's, it's flipped, and we'll see what we're talking about. First, you get this exhortation to hear. He who has ears, and he doesn't phrase it exactly this way. We'll see how he phrases it in a minute. But it's, he who has ears, let him hear. Or the one with ears, listen, he says. And then he comes right back with the promise of salvation. Now, in, to some of the churches, he flips that. He has the promise of salvation first and the exhortation to hear afterward. That doesn't change the meaning of it one little bit. He's saying the same thing. Hear, people. Listen. And don't just listen as, okay, yeah, you said stuff, it's nice, now we go on our way. But, but do it. Listen and repent, and then this is what you get. Let's uh, look at verse 7. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give the victor the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the par paradise of God. Now we're going to spend a lot of time this week on that first half of the passage. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. We're going to cover it six more times, and we'll talk about that passage again, but not in detail like we're going to today. We need to understand what it's saying today. Then as we hear it along over the next few months, we'll know exactly what he means, and we'll, you know, we'll hit the highlight of it and make sure we remember. But, uh, but we're going to spend some time there today. This phrase, who has an ear? So those who have an ear, he let him who has an ear Listen. This phrase comes from the Gospels. Jesus used it a lot. But it also goes all the way back to Isaiah. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn. Normally, I put the passage on the screen. But this passage was too long. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 13, uh, 9 through 17. There it is. Matthew 13, 9 through 17. So we can look at this for a few minutes. This is a great passage to help us understand... Uh, he who, ha uh, who has an ear, let him listen. Because this passage, Jesus uses the phrase, and then he quotes from Isaiah where the phrase originally came from. Matthew 13, verses 9 through 17. It says in verse 9, Anyone who has ears should listen. Now it's phrased a little differently, but it's basically the same thing. Anyone who has ears should listen. Verse 10. Then the disciples came up and asked him, Why do you speak to them in parables? 11. He answered them, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have not been given to them. For whoever has, 
more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. For this reason I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, yet never understand. You will look and look, yet never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would cure them. But your eyes are blessed, Jesus is saying to the disciples, because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. For I assure you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, yet didn't see them. To hear the things that you hear, yet didn't hear them. So this is our background for when Paul tells John to write to the church at Ephesus and the other churches, uh, who has ears to hear, let him listen. Jesus is being very clear here. And if you're, if you're curious and, and you don't have a, a, a reference Bible, uh, that passage is from Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, if you want to jot that down and go back and look at it later. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah almost verbatim, chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Jesus is making clear here that most of the people will not understand the message. Only a few of them will. Now, there, will, there are those that will say, that the reason only a few of them hear and the rest don't is because only a few of them were chosen by God to, to be Christian, to, to hear the message, to respond the message, to respond to the message, and everyone else was rejected. But that's not what we see when he quotes Isaiah. What he says in verse 15 in Matthew chapter 13 is, For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. What we have here is a group of people that for the most part has said, I don't want to hear anything else from you, Jesus. Thanks. I don't want to take in what you're saying. I, you know, it sounds good and sure, I guess somebody needs to hear that. But Jesus, that just really isn't for me. You're not, the, you're not talking to me. You're talking to that person, you're talking to this person, but, but boy, that message isn't for me, but I'm sure somebody needed to hear it. Most of them had done that. Or they had lived so long rejecting God that it wasn't a matter of, that message isn't for me, it's for someone else. It was, I don't care. I don't care what you say, Jesus. I don't care what commands you give me, what demands you put on my life. I don't care what kind of holiness you call me to. I don't care what mission you've put or uh, what, how you have placed your will in front of me. God, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. That's the kind of people that mostly heard Jesus' message. So he says, that when the disciples say, well, why do you teach in parables? He says, because the people who are going to understand are the ones who want to hear me. The ones who don't understand, they're not going to hear me. But it's because they have hardened their hearts for so long. They have hardened their spiritual ears for so long that they no longer hear the Spirit. There comes a day when God stops 
talking to you. There comes a day when the lost are no longer drawn by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit stops working on their hearts. Because they have hardened their heart for so long, He no longer pursues them. I will not... Uh, he says, I will not contend with you forever. I will not be here drawing all the time. There comes a time when he gives you over to your choice. Romans chapter 1 tells us that he gave the people over to their sins. For so long they worshipped the creature instead of the creator. And they turned to do things that were abominable because, uh, abominable because of what they uh, chose to worship, that he stepped back and said, fine, you can have your way. And they did. And they no longer responded to God generation after generation after generation because they had hardened their hearts. Most of the people that hear this message will not respond. Most of the people will say, that's not for me. So, I normally don't ask a question this early in the message. I usually, usually wait to the end, right? And then I present these questions. Well, not, not today. I'm going to ask you, do you have ears to hear? Do you hear a message of conviction and sin and repentance and Christ-like living? And when you hear that, what is your response? Because it's crucial to understand your response. Are you angry, dismissive, patronizing, unaffected? Are you angry? Do you get mad when you hear a sermon that convicts you of sin? And that's, that's the end of your reaction. You get mad and then eventually you get over it, but there's no change. Are you dismissive? Oh, that sermon's not for me. Oh, that's for somebody else. That was great. Oh, yeah, that's good, but that's not for me. Are you patronizing? Yeah, preacher, that was a good sermon. Boy, I wish you'd preached a little shorter so we had gone lunch sooner. Uh, you know, patronizing was nice, sure, great. Whatever, Michael, thanks. Thanks, I, did, I got my hour. Uh, you didn't put me to sleep too bad. Have a nice day. Or are you just completely unaffected? You come and you sit and you hear the message and you leave and it was, it was like trying to, uh, you know, knock the Empire State Building down with a penny, you know, just completely unaffected by this little noise in your head that was that preacher droning on and on and on. Is that your response? Do you have ears that are hardened, are deaf to the message that Christ is trying to teach you? The flip side of that is are you saddened, are you shocked, broken, uh, contemplative, are, are, you, are you shocked when you hear a message of conviction and you go, I never knew. How? Me? I, I can't believe I did that. That's me. Why is he preaching to me? And you know what? Let me tell you right here. There can be some anger in that. The first time you're convicted of, of sin, first time I'm convicted of something that I'm not supposed to be doing, I get mad. Generally at the person who pointed it out to me. That's my first response. Don't tell me what I'm doing. Look at you. But then I think, I go, you know what? As much as I don't want to say it, they're right. And maybe, just maybe I'm shocked by that. 
I'm shocked that I never noticed a sin in my life. That that never convicted me. That I never struggled with it. How could I not see what I was doing? Are you saddened when you hear the message? That is me. I mean, right off the bat, I know he is preaching to me. And it's not me. Let me just back up here and say, if you're convicted, if you're shocked, sad, and broken, or contemplative, it ain't me. That's God. I'm just, I'm just at this verse. You know, that was just the next verse. I wasn't thinking, mm-hmm, this week, I know who I'm getting. I just went to the next verse. It's God working on your heart. Are you broken? You're not just sad, and that's a good start, but you are broken. You sitting in your seat on a Sunday morning, say, you just feel like you're bending over and over and over with the weight of the conviction of God, that God is putting on your shoulders because of the life you're living. Or maybe you're contemplative. You just, you, you know, it, it, it hits you and you, you've got to think about it some. And I understand that. The Bible's clear. Test the spirits. If I get up here and say, this is wrong, you need to be able to go to the Bible, not just where I took it, hopefully I took it from the Bible, but go to other places and say, you know what? God was there. God was speaking through that. You've got to be able to test that spirit. Contemplate it. Think about it. So, which one are you? Do you have ears to hear? Do you have an ear? If you do, you'll respond in repentance and draw closer to Christ. Might not be this afternoon. Might not be during lunch at Taco Ranch. It might not be tomorrow. But sometime in the near future, God will bring this back to you. And you will realize your need to repent and draw closer to Christ. If you have ears to hear. If you don't, you'll respond in defiance and you'll push Christ further away. And say, you know what? No. For whatever reason, that's not for me. Angry, dismissive, whatever you may be, you just push Christ that much further away. Until eventually, you're so far away that you no longer hear him call at all. You no longer are even able to respond to his voice. So do you have ears to hear the message? So he goes on, after hopefully shocking you, and saying, do I have ears? And you know what? That's a good sign. If you're thinking, do I have ears? That's great, because chances are you do. You're searching, you're wondering, you're, you're asking yourself, am I hearing this message? But if you're going, why is he looking at me? Why does he keep talking to me? I don't, I, I don't have a problem with that. You don't? Examine. Think about it. But Jesus goes on and he says, Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give the victor, the victor, what does he mean by the victor? Well, if, if it's a war, we understand what a victor is. If it's, if it's football, we understand that means LSU. Uh, we understand what victor is, despite what the AP preseason poll says. Uh, we understand what victor is. You know, Christian, LSU football, it, those are victors, okay? Um, but here, 
there's a little different nuance to it. He doesn't mean just those that, that beat the other. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's a definitely a, a sense of that in the Christian life. We defeat sin, hopefully, every day. Occasionally, sin wins the battle, but we're going to win the war. All right? We will defeat. We will be the victor. Satan has no power us, over us. He is already lost. We are the victor. As Christians, we are the victor. The victor here is the one who has faith and believes. The victor is the one who has trusted Jesus Christ. Because the victor we will know, we will know the victor because he will repent. She will respond. We know the victor. The victor is a believer. The victor is the one who changes when we hear the message. See, the unbelievers, those with no ears to hear, will not or are not the victor. They will not respond in, uh, in repentance when they hear a message from Jesus Christ. Do you see where we're going here? I hope, I hope I've gotten through A, B, and C, and you can kind of see where F and G are, and you, you see what's on the horizon here. If not, I'll, I'll make it clear. Don't worry. 1 John 5, 4 through 5 says, Because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You're not a victor because you're strong. You're not a victor because you, you, you made it in life. You're not a victor even because you, by your own strength and your own power, overcame some temptation somewhere along the way. You are a victor, according to 1 John, because you are the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the victor. Let's go back to who has ears. What did we say? If you don't respond, if you do not have ears to hear, if you do not repent, you're not the victor. If your heart, your heart is hard, and when you hear a message that convicts, and you get mad, dismissive, patronizing, or you're unaffected, you're not the victor. And what does it say about the victor? The victor gets the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Very clearly, this is salvation. Ultimately, Jesus is talking about eternity in heaven. The, the paradise of God, the tree of life. We know from further on in Revelation that those things now are with God. And we get that someday. But he's not just talking about the someday. He's talking about the right now. We have Christ in our presence. Remember, verse 2, Christ is among the lampstands. Christ is here in our church right now. 
We gain that. We gain that tree of life that we eat from continually because of our salvation. Uh, we go on a little bit to talk about that lampstand a little bit more. In the temple, the lampstand was also often called the tree of life. That, that, that menorah was called the tree of life. For them, they were both representative of God's presence. So whether Jesus is talking about here, you will eat from the tree of life, or you are a lampstand, or have a lampstand, in both instances, he's talking about you have Jesus Christ in your presence, in your heart. He is living among you. He is living with you. To have the lampstand, to kind of paraphrase this, is to have Jesus and to receive the tree of life, which ensures Jesus' presence. So, if I have the lampstand, if he has left the lampstand here, if our church, First Nixon, continues and does not have the lampstand taken away, then that means Jesus is in our presence, and we will one day eat from the tree of life if we repent. But see, we won't repent if Jesus is not in our presence. If our ears are hardened, if we are a church of lost people. And that is what it boils down to. See, a church that doesn't hear, a church without ears to hear, is made up of people that don't hear. People who will not taste the tree of life. People who will not experience salvation. Do you have ears to hear? Now I have just told you, I have stood up here and said, if you do not respond to the message of Christ, it's because your ears are hard, and if your ears are hard, your heart is hard, then you don't know Jesus. I hope I made somebody mad. I hope right now somebody is sitting here going, I can't believe he would stand up there and say that. I hope. Because at least I hit a nerve. At least there's something there. If you're sitting there going, sounds like he's wrapping up. We may get out of here early today. Then I'm afraid that you've missed the point. And I worry for you. I worry as a pastor whose purpose it is to share the gospel and see the lost saved. I worry if your response is passive, unconcerned, unaffected. See, I can deal with the anger. God can deal with the anger because the anger may, we pray by tomorrow or Tuesday or maybe Wednesday or maybe it's next week, the anger turns to conviction. Because see, even when Isaiah said, preach this, or rather when God told Isaiah, preach this message to the people that aren't going to hear and they're not going to see and they're not going to respond because if they responded, they'd be healed and they'd be changed. But they've hardened their hearts. Even when he said that, the goal, 
the hope for us, for, for humans, for Isaiah, for, for pastors, for preachers, is that, okay, I'm going to tell this message, and out of 100 people, maybe 20 are soft-hearted and will hear it. Maybe 80 are hard-hearted and it's going to bounce off. But maybe five of those hard-hearted ones, there's, there's a crack in the, in the rock. There's a chink in the armor a little bit. And maybe the message gets through. Maybe they are not so far gone that they no longer are able to respond to the message of God. That's my hope. So if you're mad, good. If you don't care, I weep. And we as a church should weep. Jesus says, let him who has ears hear the message and repent. Respond. He's talking to the church, the group. But the group is just a bunch of individuals. He's talking to you. Do you have ears to hear? That's the question. Do you hear the message? I've told you this numerous times since I've been here. Every time you open the Word of God, He's calling you to make a decision for Him. Every time you read, every time you hear a message, every time you go to a Bible study, every time you watch one of the televangelists, even the bad ones, there's enough there for you to hear something and respond to that. Every time, even if they uh, are, are, are misusing the Word of God, and a lot of them do, even if they're doing that, you can read that Word of God, and God can get you to respond through that. Every time God speaks through His Word, He is calling you to respond. You should never, ever, ever, ever Leave the Bible without being changed by it. Whether you are doing an intense devotion where, you know, every morning you get up and you spend 30 or so minutes just in one or two verses and you're studying that, or whether you spend an hour every night just reading as far as you can, maybe you've got a goal to read the whole Bible in a year and you're doing the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever it is, chapters every night to get it done. Either way, when you spend time in God's Word, you must be changed. Otherwise, you do not have ears to hear. So this morning, and every Sunday morning, and when you go back online to see, did he really say that, and you're watching the sermon again because you just can't believe I said that in the pulpit? Do you have ears to hear? Do you hear? If you hear, will you repent? Will you turn? Now, what am I talking about? You know, we, we we're a couple of weeks away from, from the thing, the grades of, of Ephesus. The first week, the appropriate tolerance. Do you tolerate the right things in your life? Endurance. 
and faith and good works? Do you tolerate those things? But then do you not tolerate evil, both in the church and in your personal life? Are you, are you doing okay there? If not, if you tolerate evil and you've heard this message, will you repent? Do you have ears to hear? Last week we talked about love. And not just love for each other and not just love for Jesus. But do you have the kind of love that makes you a witness to the world? That by, all, by, that, that by your love for each other, all men will know you're my disciples. Do you have that kind of love? The church at Ephesus didn't. Do you? If you don't, do you hear? Will you repent? That's the message that you're being asked to respond to this morning. Are you a victor? Are you a victor? A victor is the one who has given his life to Christ. The victor is the one we read in 1 John 4, 5, 4 through 5, is the one who conquers the world, uh, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Are you a victor? But it goes right back up. If you're a victor, you'll repent. If you don't repent, you don't have ears to hear. And then, of course, the last thing that Jesus tells us, you'll eat from the tree of life. Eternity with Jesus. You're present with Jesus. Will you eat from the tree of life? Well, you will if you're a victor. Are you a victor? You will be if you repent. Will you repent? You will if you have ears to hear. Do you have ears to hear? Well, that leads to the next question. If you don't have ears to hear, ears to hear, you need to get them. There's only one way to, add, to have the ears to hear when Jesus is calling. See, I hear a lot of people, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people, TV, news, and or entertainers, and, you know, that you look at their life, um, there's nothing Christian about their lives, yet they'll talk about praying for something. And I want to tell them, yeah, do, do you think God's hearing your prayer? What's your connection to Him? Why do, why do you think... He would respond to that prayer. I can say with 99.9% .9 assurance that God does not answer the prayers of the lost. He does not answer the prayers that aren't his, of his children. Now there is one prayer that he does answer, prayer of salvation. And I will say I'm 99.9% .9 sure that he doesn't. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that point one percent for those who who pray something who aren't his, and God chooses through His sovereignty to grant that in order to get their attention. I don't know how often He does that. I don't know whether it works or or what, but I'll leave that possibility open, just so you know. You can say I left that, uh, that possibility open. But I can say with some certainty, 
that the, the prayer of the lost person accomplishes nothing unless it's the prayer for salvation. So, so why would the person have ears to hear who's never trusted Jesus Christ? Why would the person respond to God? Why would God respond to that person who has never had ears to hear God when he called? So, I ask you, do you have ears to hear? If not, you, you, you only get your new ears when you're made a new creation. See, everything about us changes when we become Christians. When we ask Jesus to uh, into our hearts, the Bible tells us clearly, you are a new creature. All things have become new. The old things have passed away. That means our old ears that couldn't hear God. That means our hardened heart that would not respond. Do you have ears that hear and a soft heart to respond? If you do not, if you're sitting there mad, I hope that since I've talked a little bit more, you understand why you're mad. And if, you're a, if you've believed, you think I, you're sitting there thinking, I'm a Christian and I'm getting mad, then let's turn that anger into repentance. But if you're mad and you're sitting there thinking, and I don't get what he's talking about either, this Jesus what? I mean, I know him, but what is he talking about? No, in his heart and stuff. What? Then let's get that fixed as well. See, Jesus came to save all of you. I don't mean all of you. I mean all of you. Your, your ears and your heart. So that you have now spiritual ears to hear Christ. So what is, what is your thinking? What's, what's going on inside? What, where, where, is he, where is he dealing? What are you going to do with the anger? What are you going to do with the apathy? Have you gotten too far away from him to even respond? I pray you haven't. Salvation is a heartbeat away. It's very simple. Understanding that I need to repent. That I have lived a life of my own. Of my own doing. Of my own making. I have chosen not to follow after God. And I admit that. I admit that I'm a sinner. By choice. That I have not followed God. But I believe that Jesus can save me. That Jesus not only can save me. Jesus is the only one who can save me. And then we confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord. We confess with our mouths. We confess with our lives. We, we do the things that we talked about the last few weeks. We don't tolerate evil in our lives or in our church. We do love to the point of witnessing. Love Jesus and others so much that we want to make sure others know the message as well. That's it. That's how we respond in faith. That's how we become a Christian. That's how 
we get ears to hear. And then once we have those ears, God will speak over and over and over and over throughout your day, throughout your life. You will hear God redirect and, 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 and change your, your momentum, change your life. But you've got to begin in the first place. If you're a Christian and you're going, I have done those things, I, I've... I don't want to hear that you prayed a prayer. I don't want to hear that you got baptized. I don't want to hear that you grew up in church. I want to hear that you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's what I want to hear. And you've done that, but you're still angry. You're still mad that I'm bringing up these things. Then maybe there's a recommitment. Maybe there, not maybe, there's a repentance that needs to take place in your life for you to respond in faith. Here's the other thing I believe will happen. We can be full of a church whose hearts have grown cold. Christians who do some of the things God tells us to do. But we balk on a lot of the stuff. We don't, we don't go where we're supposed to. We don't do what we're supposed to. So we're a church that is made up of some or maybe a lot of saved people who aren't doing a dadgum thing for the kingdom. That will get our lampstand removed. Of that, we need to repent. So... Let's say for a moment that everybody in here is a follower of Jesus Christ. Are we as a church doing what we're supposed to do? Do we as a church line up to Revelation 2, 1 through 3 and Revelation 2, 4 through 6? Or are we a church that's at Revelation 2, 7 needing to repent and turn back to God and say, we want to be a church that is doing what we are supposed to do. Not what we like to do, or what we don't like to do, or, or the things that seem fun, or the things that are pointless. But God, are we seeking your face and your will for our direction, day in and day out, week in, year in? Are we a church that is following God? Or are we a church that's following ourselves? That's the message. That's what you're being asked. So regardless of where you are, whether you, I, yes, I'm a believer, I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I know it without a doubt, there is no, 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 no shadow of doubt in my mind, preacher, you're still ticking me off. Or whether you're the one who's sitting there, you know what, I'm mad, and it's mad because I don't understand this stuff. What are you talking about? How can I ever be loved by Jesus? How can I ever give my heart to Jesus? You don't know what my heart's done. You're right, I don't. But Jesus does. Jesus, is, Jesus knows what every heart's done. Jesus knew what the hearts of the people who nailed him to the cross had done. And he said, Father, forgive them. 
them. The guys that just put the nails through my wrists. Probably the guys that also had whipped me until my back was open and you could see the ribs and the muscles. The guys that had put the crown of thorns on my head. Father, I know their hearts. Forgive them. So your heart ain't got nothing that Jesus doesn't know about and can't forgive. Do you have ears to hear this morning? Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would be a people with, with ears wide open to hear your word. God, don't let us deceive ourselves into thinking that our anger is justified at the message of repentance. And that I can be a Christian, but not respond when you call us to repent and turn from something. God, let us understand that if we are your children, that when you demand repentance of us, God, that's because there's something we need to repent of. And Lord, let us turn. Let us not get so hard-hearted. Let us not get so far away from you that we no longer hear, that we no longer respond to your voice. We no longer recognize your voice in our lives. God, change our hearts this morning. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you have ears to hear, then what's your decision? If you've heard the message, what do you need to do? How do you need to respond? Do you need to accept Jesus Christ for the first time? For the first time, it's kind of clicked. You got it? Okay, I understand that I need Him. I don't, I don't understand the whole thing, but I know I need Jesus. and I, I got that part. Let's talk about that. Come talk to me. Have you accepted Christ? Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to lead this life of holiness? Do you as a Christian need to repent and leave behind some things that you've been struggling with? Now God is calling you to leave it for good. Are you going to respond to that? Is He calling you to do more? Is He calling you to be a part of the missions and the ministries of this church? Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you've joined, but you need to really be a part. You need to be a part of Bible study. You need to be a part of Wednesday night, but not just spectator. You need to be involved. Folks, we've got a lot of things coming. We've got a lot of opportunities for you to be involved. We would have more opportunities, honestly, if we had more of you involved. So is God calling you to repent of your apathy? Your lack of willingness to work? What is He calling you to do this morning? The altar's open and open for you. You don't have to tell me this stuff. Tell Him. You want to talk to me? Great. You want me to pray for you? Great. You want to pray with me? Great. Come forward and let's talk about it. Or write it on your connection card and we can meet up some other time. Whatever you need to do, respond this morning to the message that Jesus has given you. Let's stand and sing.